This is the Retirement Detective Podcast, where we dive into cases with Philip Mock, chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner professional, to solve common retirement and financial planning questions. Get insight into how to solve quandaries that appear on the path to and through retirement, ideas on how to approach savings and investing for retirement, and how to plan for retirement in a tax-efficient manner. Now, here's your host and lead retirement detective, Philip Mock. Hi, everyone. It's Philip Mock with the Retirement Detective Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Today, we'll continue our series on alternative investments by talking about managed futures, which is one of the more popular alternative investment strategies that I see. Next week, we'll talk about some of the less popular ones. We'll cover a good three or four in that episode, and that will wrap up this series and we'll move on to something else. But today, we will be talking about managed futures. Managed futures are sometimes lumped in under hedge funds, but but I think they're worthy of separate treatment. But basically, managed futures are a, a way to bet on asset classes uh, without actually owning them and in sort of a momentum fashion, and we'll walk through how that looks in practice. You can own managed futures through a number of different avenues, but most investors typically own managed futures through a mutual fund. And within that fund, managed futures funds are basically buying futures contracts in the commodities market on futures contracts on on stocks, on commodities, on all sorts of different things. So let's take a deeper dive and talk a little bit about what these funds are and how you might want to use them in the portfolio. Before I dive into that, I want to point out that managed futures, you're basically buying future contracts, and therefore that's a type of derivative. And anytime we're talking about derivative investing, it's important to consider that derivatives are complicated, confusing, can be expensive, and at times can be disastrous to portfolios. So when you're investing in managed futures, I would suggest reading the prospectus carefully. I would suggest doing lots of research and education for yourself. And I would definitely try to do this through a well-diversified fund if you decide it's appropriate for you. I'm not necessarily recommending managed futures. This is just an educational podcast, and I'm just here to explain to you what they are. Managed futures are usually run by a type of portfolio manager that's a little different than any other portfolio manager out there. Usually a, a fund portfolio manager, you would just call a, a portfolio manager. But a managed futures fund is usually run by someone called a commodity trading advisor. A commodities trading advisor is a, a trader or a portfolio manager that's registered with the U.S. Commodities Futures Trading Commission. They have to go through a background check. They have to submit financial statements. They have to do some degree of, uh, the government does some degree of due diligence to make sure that they're worthy of managing client assets. 
in a commodity pool. And the reason that's important is that you're usually talking about derivatives, leverage, a lot of opportunity for things to go really right, but also a lot of opportunity for things to go really wrong. We want to make sure we have people that are knowledgeable, well-capitalized, and know what they're doing in those positions. As an investor, you don't have to worry about that. If you decide that managed futures are appropriate for you, all you end up doing is buying a managed futures fund, and any company that's running a managed futures fund has already gone through all of these hoops. Investors don't have to go out and become commodity trading advisors. They can invest in someone else that's already done that. When you think about the markets, we're usually talking about stock market, the fixed income market, and managed futures are not necessarily any different, but the way that they're investing in those markets is extremely different. So with a typical mutual fund, that's your average stock fund or bond fund, if you look one layer under the hood and what at what that fund owns, you're going to see lots of individual stock holdings if it's a stock fund and lots of individual bond holdings if it's a bond fund. Managed futures, very different. Managed futures almost exclusively buy futures contracts, and they're buying these contracts on all sorts of different things. They're buying them in the financial markets, buying uh, currency futures, maybe some options, maybe forward contracts, maybe futures on the stock market, on the bond market, but rarely are they ever actually buying the underlying asset, the actual stock or the actual bond. The reason that they do this is that you're able, you know, if you buy a futures contract on the S&P 500, you're effectively buying the future performance of all of the underlying stocks. So there is some degree of diversification benefit. Historically, managed futures funds have been momentum strategies. What that means is that they are trying to identify trends in the market and then follow those trends in a favorable manner. And in the trend following manner, managed futures funds typically are not all one thing or the other. They're free to float among all these different futures types as they see fit in an effort to do well from a performance standpoint. So what that means, since they're buying many different things in the fund either all at once or at varying times, is that the correlation of managed futures funds to traditional stock or traditional bond portfolios it's typically pretty low because they're not always necessarily buying in those traditional markets. They're buying in the futures market, and but they may be buying uh, at the same time fixed income and oil or stocks and a grain or a metal. When you add any, not necessarily managed futures, but any uncorrelated asset to a portfolio, you get the benefit of having an uncorrelated asset in the portfolio, which is when it comes time to rebalance, you have an opportunity over a long period of time to hopefully keep returns similar or just slightly reduced due to having multiple asset classes uh, with the benefit of having hopefully risk more greatly reduced uh, and therefore it's a good trade-off. Thus, for, for many people, the main reason you wanna own 
managed futures is diversification. You're buying something different than just regular stocks and bonds, but also you're, it has this trend following aspect. So you have as a result of their ability or attempt to following trends and tracking all these various different asset classes, some of which are non-traditional historically managed futures have done particularly well in down markets, but also have typically underperformed when markets are doing well. It is a, a risk mitigator, in other words. Something else to keep in mind with managed futures is that all of this futures buying and derivative purchases do come at some increased cost. So much like all of the other alternatives we've looked at, when you're considering buying these in a mutual fund format, you need to be on the lookout for the expenses and make sure that they're not too high uh, compared to a level that you are comfortable with in your portfolio. Another challenge with managed futures is how to benchmark them. And there are a couple of benchmarks out there that are meant to be a benchmark for managed futures funds. But in reality, managed futures funds are all run so incredibly differently that there's not a uniform target and therefore not a great benchmark. But I think one lens through which you could benchmark managed futures is through opportunity cost. So if you're buying managed futures, you didn't buy something else. You maybe didn't buy a stock fund or a bond fund or a U.S. Treasury or a money market fund or this other thing or whatever. I think you could look at the fund compared to those over a long time period and see, well, would I have been better just owning a money market fund or would I have been better owning an S&P 500 fund or, or whatever? Also, when you do that analysis, I would can encourage you to do it on a risk-adjusted basis. So when you look at just performance and you don't consider volatility, that has a tendency to make the most risky things always seem like the best option because when you just look at returns, you only want the highest. But you need to look at it on a risk-adjusted basis, which is where you look at returns in context of volatility. And one of the best ways to do this is through what's called the Sharp Ratio, which is a way to measure return per unit of risk, risk being measured by standard deviation. To put some context around that, if you were to compare two investments and they both returned 10% per year, but investment A returned 10% per year and in really good years was making like 12 or 13% and in really bad years was making seven or eight. Compare that to investment B that made 10% per year, but in the good years made 20 or 30% and in the bad years was down 10 to 20%. You have a huge difference in volatility between these two, even though their average return was basically the same. That's where managed futures and really some of the, all of the alternatives that we've talked about can really start to shine is while their returns may not be up to the level of where stocks are, when you look at them on a risk adjusted basis, 
it starts to make that math kind of interesting, especially if you put them in a portfolio alongside regular stocks and regular bonds. I would, like all asset classes, be careful about overloading on too much of one thing or another, and I think managed futures are certainly no different. There have been time periods where they've done really well compared to the traditional markets and also time periods where they've done really poorly. So consider that before you go all in on something that sounds like a perfect happy medium. It's certainly not. And like I mentioned, there are risks um, from a fee perspective and, and the fact that you're buying these contracts as opposed to the underlying assets. But they do provide a unique return stream that is uncorrelated and you do get some diversification benefit. Therefore, I do think it's a viable consideration for someone that's looking for a small amount of diversification in a liquid alternative format. You're able to invest in this in a number of different mutual fund formats. There may be ETFs available too, although I'll admit I'm less familiar with those, but I would encourage you to do your research. But that's the, the most important thing and what I'll leave you with is that Managed futures are definitely a vehicle where you want to do your research, read the prospectus, educate yourself, and be careful because like all investments, there is some risk here and you need to be able to understand it. So to summarize, managed futures are a, a type of alternative investment vehicle where the fund is basically buying futures contracts in all sorts of different markets from the stock market to the bond market, commodities markets to include grain, energy, metals, etc., and it can float between the asset classes as it sees fit. It's also typically a trend-following strategy, so tends to look for trends that are positive and tries to continue to follow those, and does so typically in a relatively diversified fashion. So in one fund, you're getting something that's sort of always floating in diversification, though maybe not necessarily always in one asset class or another, and it's quite uncorrelated to traditional stock and bond markets. And therefore, for reasons we've talked about in other episodes, you have some mathematical benefits to putting that in a portfolio alongside the traditional asset classes. Some risks to consider be fees and the complication of these funds, but I think it's something to at least consider if it's appropriate for you and to do some research. That's all for today's episode. Encourage you to tune in next week. And I also encourage you to check out our website at www.retirementdetective.com. Take care. This recording strictly is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of the Retirement Detective Podcast. The Retirement Detective Podcast is not affiliated with any guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. The Retirement Detective Podcast does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The Retirement Detective Podcast shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions, or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. 
Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decisions. This podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell securities or a solicitation for advisory services. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services, and nothing in this podcast should be relied upon as rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services. Philip Mock is not a detective or law enforcement officer, and any reference to such is for entertainment purposes only.